This is Dan Wharton Uncancelled. Let's go. Comedian and trigonometry podcast host Constantine Kisson is tonight's outsider. Now, we all know self-loathing lefties love nothing more than to deride Britain. But in his brilliant new book, there it is, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, Constantine defends our open, tolerant and great country as one of the best places to live in the world. He uses his first-hand horrors that he and his family suffered at the hands of communism in the Soviet Union to offer a unique and important perspective to those who denigrate Western society that the alternative to our liberal democracy is far worse and we shouldn't take values like free speech for granted. And Constantine joins me now in the studio. So, Constantine, here is the book. It is out today. This is a love letter to the West, really, isn't it? Mm. It is, and I think it's really important that in this moment when we've got... uh, You know, one of the points that I make in the book is we've had a very easy for a long time, Dan, which is perhaps why some people think... We've got no problems, we've got no enemies, we don't need to be able to defend ourselves, we don't need to be united, we don't need British values or American values, we can just sort of disintegrate as a society over time and question everything and beat ourselves up endlessly for things that people did 300 years ago who looked remotely like us. Um, I'm afraid that's not true. We've got big problems, we've got serious, powerful opponents around the world, and if we don't Uh, come together and don't realize that all of this cultural nonsense that we spend far too much time talking about, you and I both, frankly, uh, then we're going to be in serious problems. The problem is, right, if you don't fight back against the small examples, it it gets out of control, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're erasing our history, we're erasing biological sex. I mean, you see it all over the world, mm-hmm. in the Western world, don't you? I agree and with I you. I imagine folk in Russia, and I imagine Putin in Russia is just laughing. Uh, and helping, in- encouraging this process. Of course, they have been, and the Chinese too. We know this from their online activity. This is very helpful to them. This is my point, Dan. And you're right. Of course, you're right. We have to be able to define what a woman is. We have to get past all this racial divisiveness. Of course, we do. And what I tried to do in the book is speak to people who may be on the progressive left side of things in a way that I hope gives them a lived experience, they love that term, perspective <laughs> of an immigrant and what I appreciate, what people, why people like me. If you think about it, if you are on the left, let's say, you want immigrants to be able to come here, you, you think it's really important. Well, why, why do people like me and you, Dan, we're both immigrants to this country, why do we want to come here? Right. It's because this country is free. It's because it's prosperous. It's because here you can say what you think until recently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if we don't appreciate that, we will throw it away. So how bad was it growing up in the Soviet Union? Well, I grew up in the late Soviet Union, by which time, you know, the the sort of horrors of the Stalinist purges and the gulags were over. But, of course, my own family, my grandmother, born in a gulag, her father was there, essentially a slave working uh, on the mines there. Uh, And it was terrible for them. I, I obviously grew up hearing all their stories. But, Dan, this is why I wrote the book, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, because think about where we are now in late Soviet times, late Soviet times, I'm talking about the 1980s now, my grandfather made some comments about the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And within a few days, he was made unemployable. He was ostracized by friends. Does that sound that different to what happens to people who say the wrong thing in Western society today? That's why I wrote it, because I'm deeply concerned that we are adopting things from a foreign culture that are very, very troubling. And, of course, I talk also in the book about the origins of political correctness. Do you know where it comes from? No. The Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, people like my ancestors were told, well, comrade, this may be factually correct, 
but he was politically incorrect. And what it meant was you were saying something that was counter to the party line. Didn't matter if it was true or not, it just meant that you were not saying something that was acceptable in society at the time. And again, we've seen that in our society as well. We've got to reject this nonsense, Dan. How ironic is it, Constantine, that now you're established as one of our major free speech champions? You know, trigonometry has a huge following. And, of course, this has all come at a time when your country of birth is now engaged in this war with the West. Mm. It's atrocious, and you know my feelings on the subject, Dan. Uh, I think what's happening is terrible. But that's why I'm making the points that I'm making. I'm, I'm trying to remind people, we don't have time to faff about with all this nonsense. We've got serious challenges coming up. Uh, the economic future is going to be very bleak for a lot of people. Uh, as you know, with the global food crisis, there's going to be famine around the world because of the, of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. We've got big problems, and the only way that we can fix them is once we put this cultural nonsense aside, we say we all know what a woman is, <laughs> we understand that this is one of the most open, welcoming, tolerant countries, not just in the world today, Dan, in the entire history of the human species. And as soon as we can get to that, our prime minister no longer has to answer all these silly questions and can actually govern the country in the interest of the people. Have you seen any candidate in the Tory election contest going on right now who you think is best placed to take those values and... and uh, put them into running the country. Well, I think the person who is best placed to dismiss all of this stuff as it needs uh, doing is Kami Badenoch. Uh, I'm concerned that she voted for vaccine passports. I've heard from people that I trust that she did so because of collective responsibility rather than personal conviction. I, I accept that we are now sort of beyond the age in which ministers resign when things happen that they don't agree with. Uh, so she's the one that would, that would be my preference. I'm certainly concerned that the front runners, particularly are not going to be doing this. Uh, and that worries me deeply. Yeah, no, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating one, isn't it? Because the thing about this race is obviously you've got to be practical in terms of thinking about who actually has a chance of getting to the final two and then winning. But I think when it comes to pure politics, probably Kemi Badenoch is the one that certainly matches uh, the values of free speech. Constantine Kisson, an immigrant's love letter to the West, out today. So great to have you back, Constantine. But it's time now for Uncancelled, where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, the dream of a social media landscape where free speech is allowed to thrive has been dealt a blow after Elon Musk backed out of an agreed £37 billion takeover of Twitter. On Tuesday, the social media giant sued the Tesla mastermind in a bid to force the deal through. Musk pulled out partially over the number of fake users, and while analysts believe his concerns were more commercial than ideological, these automated accounts have been known to spread misinformation and just part of Twitter's free speech problem. Now, Musk had vowed to reclaim Twitter, which accused him of pulling out of the deal because it, quote, no longer serves his personal interest. But he had to save it from liberal authoritarians and reformer space known for shadow banning, kicking out Donald Trump and censoring anti-Joe Biden content. But will this ordeal have drained his drive, meaning our best shot at free speech online is lost thanks to this battle between the billionaire and big tech? Well, let me bring in someone now who knows far more about social media and how Twitter works 
uh, than anyone else, the rapper, author and podcast host, Zuby. So, Zuby, break this down for me. What does this all mean? Is Elon Musk really not going to be buying Twitter? And, and surely the repercussions for free speech are huge. Hey, Dan. Well, I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to play out. It looks like Twitter have shifted from not wanting Elon Musk to buy the company to trying to use legal means to force him to do so. From what I understand, I think it's most likely the case that it turns out that there are a much higher percentage of bots than perhaps they initially let on. So that would mean that the valuation of Twitter that he proposed was actually overvalued if they don't have as many real users as he was led to believe. That's what my gut tells me. I don't know all of the ins and outs, and I don't know how this is going to play out. How bad for free speech will it be, Zuby, if Elon Musk doesn't end up buying Twitter? Because he... he... He was sort of my last hope, really, in terms of someone who could actually make a difference to what Twitter has become. Well, I think, first of all, Twitter is not the arbiter of free speech as a concept. And I'd be very hesitant uh, for any of us to put all of our faith and hope on one man to save Twitter, let alone to save the concept of free speech. Now, I think in terms of what would happen if he doesn't buy it is most likely they will just continue on the trajectory that they've been on. In essence, nothing would change. It would stay how it is now. There would be people getting censored and banned and deplatformed for silly things, often with no uh, course of action, no recourse that they can really take. So I think that would continue. There might be some users who leave the platform or abandon it. But really, I think it would be business as usual. Whereas if he were to buy it, I do think that there would be less pressure on people to uh, play into certain narratives. And I think that some of the people who have previously been banned or suspended would potentially get their accounts back. Well, indeed, Zubi. And I wanted to mention that finally, because, of course, this is where it actually could have real ramifications for the next US presidential election. I mean, over the past 24 hours, Trump has come as close as he's going to get to officially confirming that he is going to be running for president. Now, if Elon Musk were to have bought Twitter, he almost certainly would have been reinstated on the platform, which would have been a massive boost for his campaign because we know how influential Twitter was in terms of him winning the White House uh, back in 2016. Yeah, well, I think Trump himself during the... I mean, over the past couple of months, I think he himself put out a statement saying that even if Elon Musk does buy Twitter, that he wouldn't return to it. I think, uh, of course, he's got his I didn't own platform. I did believe that, though, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're dealing with men who are not exactly the most predictable, whether you're talking about <laughs> Trump or you're talking about Elon Musk. So That's for sure. I don't know either of them personally, so I, I don't know what they're up to. Zuby, fascinating stuff. We'll keep across it. Thank you so much. Time now for the latest on the battle to be PM with Anne Whittacombe. In today's vote, after she finished runner-up to Rishi Sunak... However, for many inside the party, there remain serious questions around Mordaunt's uh, suitability, really, for the job, especially regarding her previous stances on issues of identity politics. For example, Mordaunt said to have been a staunch defender of trans extremists during her time as Women's and Equalities Minister, a claim that she made great efforts to defuse during her launch event. I think it was Margaret Thatcher 
that said that every Prime Minister needs a willy. <laughs> a woman like me doesn't have one. I'm a woman, I am biologically a woman, and I can tell you, Chris, that if you have been in the Royal Navy and you have competed physically against men, you understand the biological difference between men and women. Very good lines there, I have to say. But unfortunately for Penny, some people say she's, her views or former views are hiding in plain sight. Free Speech Union founder Toby Young has critically analysed her 2020 book, Greater Britain After the Storm. And he's unearthed some interesting discoveries, among them her praise for communist China, relentless promotion of the LGBTQI plus agenda and beliefs that more hate speech should be censored. Here's a couple of uh, the greatest hits from Toby. The sitcom at Ain't Half Hot Mum featured casual racism, homophobia, white privilege, colonialism and transphobia. The problem is most of our leaders are drawn from a narrow background. Their education and training was from the last century when the world was very different. It was long-term male, patient, predictable, factual, planned, heterosexual, white, Christian, Western. So there's some of the receipts, Anne Whittacombe. What's your view? Is Penny Mordaunt too woke to be Prime Minister, Anne? Well, I think she's far too woke. And when somebody talks about censoring hate speech, what they actually mean is censoring free speech. Uh, and uh, whoever gets this job uh, has got to be somebody uh, who believes in free speech and who will restore liberties, uh, which we've had taken from us now. Penny Mordaunt clearly uh, is on the side of the oppressors when it comes to uh, free speech. Uh, and those quotes that Toby Young has produced demonstrate that uh, very, very well. So thank you, Toby Young. Um, and maybe at the next hustings, um, she should be confronted with those actual quotes and ask if she still stands by wanting to censor hate speech. If so, how does she define hate speech? And I, I'm amazed for a conservative uh, that, that um, this is her uh, philosophical stand. She's so popular, Anne, with the members at the moment. Do, do you think that, uh, you know, and you're very in touch with the Tory grassroots, do you think that's because they don't know that she holds these views or they know that she holds these views and they're OK with it? No, I don't think they're OK with it. I don't think they realise the extent of the views. I mean, I think they may think she said something on pass on. Uh, but when you actually get quotes like that, um, that is more than an on pass on comment. That is a statement of a particular standpoint uh, that Penny Morton takes. Now, there is nothing in the world that says she shouldn't take that standpoint, but she should be completely honest about it and own up to it. Um, and then let the uh, the membership judge, instead of which what she's trying to do now is to row back and say, oh, no, 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 I've never said that. Yes, Penny, you did. And free speech to me is crucial. And the idea of having a prime minister who wants to extend censorship really worries me. What about her views on biological women, And Because yeah. there's been a lot of criticism for the fact that she said in Parliament trans men are men and trans women are women. Obviously, that's before that question uh, was at the heart of this massive culture war debate. Uh, indeed. And, I mean, she made her position very clear there as well. Now... You know, most of us would say that a woman is a woman and a man is a man, and you can't just self-identify as one or the other according as the whim takes you. Um, and it's all very well now. She's trying to say, oh, well, you know, I was 
wasn't talking about demedicalizing things. I was just talking about actual people who've transitioned. Um, but that doesn't wash because uh, you know she made very very general unqualified statements. And I'd it really, if somebody like that is leading the Conservative Party, then heaven help the Conservative Party. And I just want to get your reaction to some breaking news in this Conservative Party race tonight. Obviously, earlier this evening, we learned that Suella Braverman, who was knocked out, is going to be backing Liz Truss. Further developments on that front, the Daily Telegraph has revealed tonight that the former ERG chairman, Steve Baker, really one of the Brexit hard men, is also going to back Liz Truss. He was, of course, really running the campaign for Bravenon. He's told the Daily Telegraph tonight, Suella has my complete loyalty. What she has decided, I will support. So do you think this is the Brexit wing of the Tories saying, we're going for Truss? I could well be. I mean, my fear about Truss is always that I don't think she's quite ready. I mean, I'm actually, you know, if you ask me to which candidate I would prefer, then on basis of sheer competence, you know, she's delivered the trade deals. Um, and on the basis that, um, you know, she did accept the result of the referendum and then has gone wholeheartedly out to make Brexit work. Uh, then I prefer her to most of the other candidates. But I'm, I'm just slightly uncertain that she is entirely ready. She doesn't have much of a personality. Now, you might say that's a good thing, considering what we've just been through. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's going to, to cut it on the election trail. And, and so I do have that worry about her. But as I say, you know, if you give me all those candidates at the moment, I would say, yes, she's the, the nearest thing to what I want. Great stuff, Anne. Obviously, you'll be with us next week as the twists and turns of this race develop. Anne Whittacombe, thank you so much. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.